We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast, a weekly faith-filled podcast that aims to inspire and encourage you on your walk with Christ. Each episode is designed to explore different aspects of Christianity, from biblical teachings to personal testimonies that help you deepen your understanding and relationship with God. So whether you are a new believer or a seasoned Christian, our podcast is a place where you can feel supported, challenged, and empowered. So join us every Friday as we delve into the Word of God and share stories of faith, hope, and love. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. Brother Brandon, it's a pleasure to record another episode with you today. So what are we talking about? What, what's the topic that we're going to discuss? Well, it's a little fishy, to be honest with you, <laughs> and gets a little deep at times and a little wavy. <laughs> oh man last episode's puns were far worse <laughs> yeah um, definitely we are talking about the reluctant prophet jonah we're going mm-hmm. back to the old testament in today's episode to pick up where we left off last time in this story of this prophet on the run and as we have been noting in this new series on the podcast the book of jonah is more than just a story about jonah it's really a story about all of us and the right. inerrant, or not inerrant, but the inherent uh, mm-hmm. problem that we all have of wanting to run from God and his call on our lives. Right. And we saw Jonah doing that last time in verses 1 to 3, where God comes to him with an assignment to preach to Nineveh, and Jonah says no, and gets a ticket to Tarshish and runs from the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And as we pick up on that story today, we're going to see just how successful Jonah was in running from the Lord. Mm -hmm. For we shall see that God sent a storm after him. Jonah was running from God, but God was running even faster after him. Mm -hmm. And here is how that story begins, or continues rather. This is verses 4 through 6 of Jonah 1. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down, he's going down again, Mm -hmm. he'd gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Mm -hmm. And so we see abruptly out of nowhere, a storm comes upon Jonah and his pagan crew. Mm -hmm. So we must ask the question, why? Chris, Mm -hmm. what do you think? What's, What's the purpose of this storm that suddenly came upon them? Well, I, I think it's the purpose of a lot of storms that we see throughout Scripture. It's to get someone's attention, and very particularly here, it's to get Jonah's attention and and to get him back on track. Maybe even shake him up a little bit and make him realize who he's running from. Yeah, exactly. 
See, God loved Jonah so much, right? He mm-hmm. he didn't want him to escape this divine assignment and the blessings that came along with it. Right. And so God sent this violent sea storm after him, as you said, to arrest his attention. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about it is, at least this is funny to me, my dark humor, uh, Jonah's trying to flee from God on the water. Mm-hmm. And the God, God the creator, uses the water to mm-hmm. upset him and, and get his attention. Right. As we see God sending this storm to him. Really kind of a splash of cold water, you know, mm-hmm. in the face of this prophet <laughs> yeah. who was sleeping in apathy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we might even call this God's severe mercy. Because God was trying to be merciful to him. He's trying to correct Jonah and get him back on course. But mm-hmm. it was a severe means of doing so. Right. Sort of a terrible kindness, if you mm-hmm. can believe in such a thing. Yeah. And again, we see this storm come upon Jonah, and it's upsetting the sailors as well. I mean, the the storm is so violent that the ship is threatening to break apart. It's a serious storm, one that these sailors have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like God is speaking through this storm to Jonah, right? saying, Jonah, can you hear me now? You know, do I have your attention yet? Well, evidently, as we see in this story, the Lord had regarded the, or had captured the attention of someone on the boat, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't Jonah, was it, Chris? No, no, not at all. It was, it was those pagans, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, what's amazing about this story. The, the irony, right? Mm-hmm. Here, Jonah is an Israelite prophet. He's running from God and ignoring the warning signs. Mm-hmm. But the pagans who do not know the God of Israel are like, what's going on here? You know, something serious, right. something divine is taking place. And we actually see here that they were so crippled by fear that they resorted to every measure possible to save their lives. Mm-hmm. They prayed to any and every God who might listen to them and grant them favor. And we see they even attempted to lessen the load by tossing out potentially life-saving cargo into this hungry, violent sea. Right. And really, if you think about it, this is interesting because, I mean, these were experienced sailors. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys had probably seen a storm or two in their lifetime and in their career. But... This storm must have been, you know, just the worst they'd ever seen. Mm -hmm. Because again, these guys were experienced and sailors, you know, they're not really the fearful type, are they? I mean, you think about uh, Popeye the Sailor Man and you don't get the idea of weakness, you know, or or anything like that. He's a tough guy, you know. Mm -hmm. But these uh, mariners, they they were no match for the ultimate captain of the seas the Mm -hmm. creator of the universe. And this storm that he sent was enough to drown their hearts in unrelenting horror. But again, somehow, even though this was a dramatic, violent storm, it was not enough to instill fear in the one man that God was ultimately chasing after this prophet from Israel. Mm -hmm. And goodness, we see in fact that Jonah is so, I guess, numb to everything going around him that he's asleep. Mm-hmm. The scripture says that he was in the uh, bottom part of the boat and had laid down and was fast asleep. Wow. <laughs> and 
I mean, that's why the the captain here basically says to Jonah, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Uh How can you sleep during this? How can you snooze in hypnosis Mm -hmm. when the world is crashing down around you? Yeah. And Chris, I think that's a question we need to ask, isn't it? Yeah. Why was Jonah asleep? How can you sleep during such tumultuous circumstances like that? What do you think? Well, my wife, she sent me this this joke one time, uh, a little video of a woman who was laying on one side of the bed and her husband got up from his side of the bed and then she rolled over to his side of the bed and she just looked very upset. And when he came back into the room, uh, he said, what are you upset about? And she's like, well, I, I was sleeping on your side of the bed real quick just to see how in the world... <laughs> you could sleep through all of the children crying. You can hear them. (laughs) And, you know, and I I can relate to that as a father. Uh, There's times where, where the best way for me to get through the chaos is to go to sleep and ignore it. And that's, and that's Uh how we, we do it sometimes. And and I think, I think that's really kind of what's going on in, in Jonah's life. How can he ignore the will of God? Well, if he's not conscious, so uh, then he doesn't have to worry yeah. about it. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and and don't you think there's something else going on with his conscience here? Yeah. I mean, yes, he's, he's unconscious because he's sleeping, so, you know, he's tuning out the voice of God. Mm-hmm. But I actually think that sin so deeply enveloped his conscience that it made him numb. To yeah. the danger he was in, and the fact that God was the one chasing after him, mm-hmm. and and that actually happens to us sometimes if we're not careful. Right. Uh, this is what sin can do to us. In fact, sin will often give the guilty mind a fluffy bed to sleep on. Right. It'll rock your conscience to sleep so much so that you'll lose all sense of spiritual danger and all sense of obligation to serve and obey God, and it'll cause you to not hear the alarm of God's mm-hmm. wake-up calls, as right. we see here with Jonah. Kind of causes us to hit the snooze button almost right. when we hear God's warnings. He's trying to get our attention and such. And that's what we see with Jonah here. His sin has really gotten a hold of his conscience here, and he's tuning out the voice of the Lord and trying to ignore the fact that God is chasing after him. Mm-hmm. And again, this is because of sin, as we noted. And I mean, Jonah was really no different than our first parents, Adam and Eve. Right. They kind of did the same thing. You know, I mean, if you think about the effect of sin on their conscience, it's, it's unbelievable. Like Adam, he ate the forbidden fruit and thought he could avoid God's judgment and scrutiny Mm -hmm. by just trying to run away from his presence, you know, when he literally sinned within like two feet of Mm -hmm. God's presence, you know. Right. And there's many other characters in scripture that exemplify this effect of sin on our conscience. But here's what we need to realize. If we are running from God, if we've tried to tune him out like Jonah has, we can be sure that God may hurl an unwelcome storm our way to get us back on track. Mm-hmm. That's what God was doing with Jonah here. And we don't know what God might do. He might halt everything in our life if we right. put him in his work in second place. 
he might stop us in our tracks with a storm in our family, a family crisis, mm-hmm. or maybe an unexpected diagnosis, a terrible phone call, or a prickly thorn in the flesh. Mm-hmm. God will use anything he has to, to get our attention and get us back on track. And all the while through those things, he may be asking us, are you listening to me yet? Mm-hmm. Do I have your attention? In fact, you know, God may even use something like a little game of dice, as mm-hmm. we'll see here in just a moment as the story of Jonah continues. Yeah. Yeah. And again, as you said, we see that that downward spiral of, of Jonah yeah. as he continues on his run from the will of God. He went down to Tarshish. Now he's down in the bottom of this boat and that's the only direction there is when you run from the will of God down, mm-hmm. down, down. And, and that's, I think a, a poetic understanding to this. It's, it's not poetic just in the sense that Jonah, it re, we really relate to Jonah ourselves that Jonah shows, you know, some of the worst parts of, who we can be sometimes, and it's hard to really be mad at Jonah because of how much we relate to him in several yeah. instances. But whenever we run from God, it's always going to lead us to a downward spiral. Yeah, but right. we see how how God really gets our attention, and and we see that as He sends this storm, and and we see this continuing further as we look at verse seven through ten, where it said they said to one another. Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So think of how smart that sounds for just a moment. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jonah finds himself running from the will of God. He finds himself on a ship with a bunch of pagans. God sends this storm. They realize that this is a storm that is seeking to get Jonah's attention, that is trying to get him back on track, that is caused because of Jonah's presence right there with them. And he says to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> so let that sink in for just a moment but but let's first think of how often we are like Jonah when we say that we fear the Lord but we run from his will we go and do this door to door knocking to invite people to church we do this on Saturdays from 2 to 4 And the first Saturday that we did this in in the town where I'm living now, I knocked on many doors and I met members that I'd never met before uh, that that are members of the church that I'm I'm pastoring. I met people that said, 
I'm a member of this church, but I haven't gone in, in years. And, and usually those people say something along the lines of what Jonah's saying. Uh, but, but we love God. We, we respect God. We believe in God, mm-hmm. but we, you know, just don't follow his will. Or how often have we in our personal lives by our actions or whatever we're doing in our life, we, we praise God for a moment with our lips, but then our actions show otherwise. But so how often do we say we fear the Lord as we run from his will? And, and we're not talking about shaking in fear. Fear is as in, oh man, you know, like I'm, I'm super afraid and, and God's just going to beat me up. No, we're talking about a fear as in a respect, a respect for God's position that he is the one who is over true life and true death Mm -hmm. that you recognize God's station that he knows best and that we should listen to him. That's what it means to fear God. Yeah. Right. But Jonah, he was just showing flat out disrespect to God. But secondly, let's go back to this understanding. He's running from God who made the sea in the dry land. How thick can you be? You know, (laughs) you pointed this out just just a little bit earlier, but he is running and, and he admits this. That's the, that's the worst part of it. He yeah. knows that God is the God who made the sea and the dry land. And he's running from God by the means of the sea right now. And where do you go after you get off of the sea? <laughs> yeah. Dry land. The beach. Dry land. So how yeah. thick can you be? And, and like, the the spiral, the downward spiral that he's in doesn't just seem like his spiritual state, but maybe even his mental state at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah. But we can't be too difficult on Jonah because how often do we get there as well? Mm, yeah. But uh there's just a simple point to this, I think. It's you can't escape God. Right. You, you can you can run, you might be running right now. Uh, you know, not putting on your running shoes or anything like that. I sure, surely myself, I can't run at all. I hate running, <laughs> but there are times that I'm running from the will of God. Yeah. Uh, but, but you've got to come to this understanding. You can't escape him. The very air that you're breathing right now is you're, you're listening to us. Just taking a deep breath. He created that air. That, that heart yeah, that's beating right. behind your chest, that's pumping the blood through your veins to give you life. He designed it and he gave it to you. And we are living in his creation. Everything around us, including ourselves, are a part of his creation. And there's no way that you can run from him. I like what Paul writes in Colossians 1, 16 through 17. And this is talking about Christ. Uh, here for by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and he is Mm. before all things and in him all things consist And, and so i think there's a simple point here if you're running from god today simply you're running in vain And I think that's one of the points we need to look at our own lives is how often are we acting like Jonah in that respect? But Brandon, go ahead and and continue on. Give us a little bit of insight there as, as we continue. Yeah. uh, I'll note uh, here. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? In verse nine, 
uh, Jonah is running from God, right? Because he doesn't mm-hmm. want to preach to pagans. Right. And, and what does he do in verse nine? Yeah, he starts preaching, preaching to, pagans. to pagans. Oh, by yeah. the way, I serve the supreme one and only sovereign God, the creator, you know, yeah. it's funny how God actually worked through his running to preach a, you know, a message a gospel message in a way uh, to these pagan sailors. But right. what's really interesting also to me is God tried to get Jonah's attention through the storm, but he also tries to get Jonah's attention through this little game they play too, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. casting lots here and the lot falls on Jonah. Yeah. Well, what, what was this all about? What's this game of lots, you think? Why did pagans engage in that? Well, I mean, it, it, we, we see that a lot, not just in scripture, but throughout the ages of, of people having these little games, these uh, games that they thought were directed by the divine and, and whatever deity they may yeah. have served to help them pick who was going to live, who was going to die, who was going to have this job, who was going to do that. And, and so it was just a, a little game that they thought was, was, uh, you know, controlled by whatever gods they served. And interestingly yeah. enough, we see a very real outcome in, in this game mm-hmm. as they're praying to other gods. It seems that the living God points them in the right direction through their lots. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like you said, you know, the it's really an ancient game. It's been around for a long time. And when people would play this game of casting lots, they believed that the lot was directed by divine deity. Like, okay, whatever, it's like, like spin the bottle, you know, whoever this lands on, the, the divine deity above is telling us, you know, this is what we need to do, or this is the person responsible for our situation. Right. And actually... The New Testament talks about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the apostles, they cast lots in the book of Acts to determine who should replace Judas. And right. we really see here that the mariners and the sailors were trying to discover the Judas among them. Yeah. Who's guilty here? Who's, whose fault is it that this great storm has come upon us? Right. And God worked through that, as you said, and the lot fell on Jonah. And so they're starting to put all the pieces together, right? They're like, okay, this guy, something's going on here. And so that's why in verse 8, they want to know everything about Jonah. Mm-hmm. Like, Jonah, tell us who you are, man. Where are you from? What God do you serve? And that, of course, is the occasion for Jonah's reluctant confession in verse 9 that is so thick as you said you know so blatantly right. ignorant, ignorant of the circumstances like i'm the god who or i'm the uh hebrew who serves the god who uh is the creator of the sea that i'm mm-hmm. fleeing on right and of course because of this the mariners were greatly afraid in verse 10 and they say what are you doing you know what is this you've done because they knew he was fleeing from the presence of the lord Mm-hmm. And so basically what's going on here in a nutshell is Jonah's backed into a corner. You know, everything's pointed to him. Everything's pointing to his faults and his sins. And this all comes to a climax in verses 11 through 16, where Jonah basically says, you know what, just throw me into the sea. And when you do, the storm will subside. Mm-hmm. In fact, the sailors, they say, 
in verse 11, what shall we do to you that the sea may quieten down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quieten down for you. For I know it is because of me that that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. And they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Mm. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the the men rather feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Mm. Jonah's solution is, throw me into the sea, kill me. But did the sailors want to do that? No. Nope. Not one bit. And isn't that... (laughs) That's a deep hatred Jonah has right there. The, the one who serves the living God has such a deep hatred that rather than see a whole nation of people repent and be saved, he would rather die. And yeah. then the people mm. that he doesn't even really care for, instead of them be saved by throwing him overboard, would rather show mercy and compassion and not kill him and keep him on the boat. So he wants pagans to die, yet here's a group of pagans that want him to live. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's some serious irony right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you said, they, they don't want to kill Jonah. They, they're not of the same mind as Jonah here. Right. Uh, we see in verse 13, they rode hard to get back to dry land. They're like, well, let's just try a little harder. Maybe we can make it. And the Bible says that that wasn't going to work because God mm-hmm. was in control of this storm. And I mean, if you think about it, they, they certainly didn't want to kill Jonah because they'd just been introduced to his God. Yeah. You know, this is a God who sends storms at sea. They don't want to be responsible for Jonah's blood, yeah. but they realize there's no other way. There's no other way. And so it says in the scripture, they picked him up, hurled him into the sea, and the sea immediately became calm. Mm-hmm. All it took was Jonah being dealt with. Right. All God wanted in this whole thing was for Jonah to own up to his transgression and return to him in repentance. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but thankfully for Jonah, this is not the end of the story. We'll talk about that a little bit next time because it looks like at the end of this, you know, that's pretty much the conclusion. Jonah's dead. He's been thrown mm-hmm. out into the sea, but... We see God is still merciful to him in sending right. a great fish to swallow him and save his life. Right. But man, what a world of trouble Jonah went through here, right? To mm-hmm. try to run from God and run from his call on his life. And what mm-hmm. a lesson to us that we are in for a world of trouble when we run from God and his will and his plan for our lives. Yes. And we need only to take it from Jonah. If we're running from God, he will send a storm after us. He will always meet our rebellious flight with a hurling of his severe mercy. Yes. And and we see that, that spiritual decline of Jonah played out again. Is now he goes from being down in the boat to mm-hmm. down in the sea. And we're going to see that spiritual decline go even further as we continue to read through the book of Jonah. 
But I think another important understanding is simply this for our lives, that sin will lead us down. Sin leads uh, everyone uh, to a path of of destruction, eternal death. And so Jonah's sin leads him, in this sense, to a figurative death. And we have to understand this, too, that someone has to die for sin. And so it's either going to be us or we look at the fact that our sin led Jesus to a literal death on our behalf. And we see that that Jonah kind of helps us understand Jesus a little bit better when you read Matthew twelve thirty eight through 41, where it says that some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign will be given to it except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. Hmm. And so Jonah went into the belly of this fish, as we see later on, because of his sin. But Jesus experienced death. Mm. and went into the grave three days on our behalf for our sin so that we didn't have to experience this great spiritual decline that we see going on in Jonah's life. Because outside of Christ, all there is is down. All there is is destruction. There is no hope. So it's important that we learn from Jonah by looking at ourselves and where we relate to him and saying, you know what? Let's not wait for that spiritual decline. Let's not wait for that storm. Let's go ahead and follow the will of God. And if you're a Christian, the will of God is for you to follow him wherever he calls you. And if you're not a Christian, the will of God is for you to repent and believe. And that's what we learn from Jonah here in this passage. Any last thoughts from you, Brother Brandon? I think that pretty well sums it up. Yep. Well, why don't we go ahead and close today's episode in a word of prayer, uh, thanking God for teaching us in the book of Jonah and praying for his grace to help us follow his will. Father, we thank you for this story before us. We thank you for these examples in scripture, some good, some bad the good ones which encourage us to obedience and the bad ones which discourage us from disobedience. And we thank you for teaching us about the consequences of disobedience and sin through the life and story of this reluctant prophet. And we do pray that you might help us to run to you and run to obedience instead of running away from you and running away from your will. Help us to be like Jesus to hunger for doing the will of God and to get all of our satisfaction from doing your will. And we just pray that you might bless all of our listeners, help them to apply these principles in their everyday lives and help us by your grace, dear Lord, to live for Jesus Christ the next 168 hours. We pray all these things in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.